0: Hi, it's Margie, and welcome back to Desert Island Dishes. My castaway this week is the author Laura Jane Williams. Laura has written two books, she runs a successful blog, she was Grazia's weekly dating columnist, and her writing has been published in every publication imaginable. I wanted to talk to her about becoming an author, what it's like to write a memoir and to write a weekly column all about your love life. Whilst Laura doesn't write specifically about food, the little snippets where she does, I could sense there was a passion there which we could talk about. Laura has traveled all over the world, but it's the Italian cuisine she fell in love with. And I hope you enjoy hearing her desert island dishes. Hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Desert Island Dishes. Thank you for having me. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so I just wanted to start by asking you, is being a writer what you always wanted to do?
1: Oh, so what, just straight for the jugular, <laughs> yeah, no small talk, no small, just talk, just talk Was no. always your hope, and your dream and your aspiration. We'll <laughs> talk about my relationship with my parents and, and my, my grandparents in a minute. Is being a writer what I always wanted to do? Yes, and then I forgot for a bit. Yeah. And then I feel like it took a lot to come back to it. And then it was a case of like, oh, of course, I've been this way my whole life. You know, I remember jabbing a story I had written into the hip of the work experience girl in the playground at school. And I must have been like five or six. Yeah. You sort of, is it Picasso that says something about you? Like you have to unlearn everything. I'm getting this quote completely. But basically I learned that people like me don't write, people like me don't write books. A girl from Derby did all right at school, was top set for most things, but certainly not like exemplary behaviour in anything.
0: Yeah. The way you talk about writing in your books is that it's obviously something is like a really important part of who you are, not in terms of defining you, but I guess there's a a difference between doing something that you love just because you kind of need to do it and then pursuing it as a career. Career. Did you feel like that?
1: I think, you know, books were written by people not like me. Yeah. And I had to unlearn
0: that. Yeah. You can only be what you see.
1: You can only be what you see. Exactly. (laughs) And I couldn't see anybody in the arts in my life that was something other people did and you did it as a hobby sure yeah i think i was i was 21 just before my 21st birthday i was i didn't go to university i was on a houseboat in kerala and i met these girls who were so clever and bright and northern yeah <laughs> and it sounds absurd that i didn't know all of those things could exist together yeah. that a girl with an accent could want to pursue things bigger than just what we'd been told was safe. Yeah. And um, I came home from that trip and was like,
0: I'm going to go to university and I'm going to learn how to write and I'm going to make this my job. That's so cool. That's something else I wanted to ask you was that you travelled around the world and had lots of different experiences and then you went to university, which maybe it wasn't a thought-out plan, but do you think actually that is quite a sensible way of doing it? Because then you end up studying something that is relevant. Oh, and...
1: there is a reason that I graduated top of my class. Yeah. And that's because <laughs> I had had four gap years and worked some shitty-ass jobs. The jobs themselves weren't shitty, but they were a shitty fit for me. Sure, And I knew, right, I'm going to be top of the top, cream of the crop, because I've tasted what it is to work something that I don't enjoy and that was enough for a couple of months to save money to go traveling. I'm not doing that for the rest of my life. Yeah,
0: that's so true. Maybe everyone should have to do that. It's like a real... (laughs) I think (laughs) that's the... the, the,
1: Yeah. (laughs) The thing with university is we have kids you know basically at 14 you're already narrowing down the choices as you choose your GCSEs you're already narrowing down the choices of what you might day want to go and study it's all about what do you want to do what do you want to do what do you want to do I feel so fortunate that I gifted myself really against the advisement of teachers parents anybody with any (laughs) bios of responsibility (laughs) (laughs) in my life and I gifted myself the experience of figuring out what I didn't want to do. And if there is one piece of advice that I would give my kids or the girls that I used to nanny that I wrote back in the second book, it would be, babe, don't worry. Don't. It doesn't always have to be, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. Try stuff, figure out what you don't want to do. Yeah,
0: that's such good advice. I think there's so much pressure when you leave university, you say at 21 to know exactly to what you want to see. the rest of yeah. your life. And I think that's why so many of our generation are really struggling. Because yeah. it's sort of all these expectations from outside. And mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, that seems like a good time to stop and ask you about your first dish of the day. Sure. What's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood?
1: Oh my God! What's the dish that most reminds me reminds me of my childhood? If you ask my mother what dish reminded her of my childhood, it would be the Campbell's meatballs in okay, the red yeah. tins, <laughs> and she tells stories about like I just adored them, and she would be opening, and she's like, it smells like dog food. <laughs> 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 you know, until you heat it up, oh, and even then, doesn't smell great. I'm vegetarian. Oh, you then, are. So oh, I, I, didn't wouldn't, I wouldn't that. go okay, near Okay, yeah. Food. So that's yeah. even. <laughs> but yeah, I think, and also, and and as a vegetarian. One of the things that I do miss, we always had Sunday lunch together. Yeah. Always, always, always. And so Sunday tea would be cold roast beef sandwiches on Ooh. like cheap white bread. Yes. And dad would salt it. Oh,
0: yes.
1: And there's not a lot of things I miss, but that is so imbibed with being in front of the telly. Everybody's sort of thinking about the week ahead, those like
0: salted beef. Shit bread. Yeah, it has to be the crap yeah, supermarket crap bread. white bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, the same with have. Christmas sandwiches. They're always better on that kind of bread. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> um, well, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So you wear a lot of different writing hats. You've written books sure. and blogs and columns, and you teach. Yes. I wondered of all of those things, if there was a favorite, what that might be.
1: It depends which. Not even what day you
0: catch me on, which hour, yeah, <laughs> which second you catch
1: me on. They all feed into each other. I'm a better writer because of the ability to articulate what I think makes good writing. Sure. And the privilege of engaging with other people's work in that way makes me a better writer. My best friend also got a first class honours at university. And we say that's because we sat in the library together and taught, you know, there was no ink left in the red pen that we would use to write notes on each other's work. So the act of giving feedback, but also receiving feedback in that way, what got us to the top of the class? You know, how many times can I mention in one podcast that I graduated <laughs> university um, with a first? Because that that the only two shouts that <laughs> I would be talking about that nonstop. The that only thing me. it's ever gifted <laughs> me is like bragging rights. <laughs> Nothing else ever
0: came from graduating that, top of the class. That, <laughs> I mean, just that's bragging rights. Yeah, yeah. bragging rights is a good thing.
1: Um, but yeah, so I love teaching. But then you can't. You know, I'm I'm a doer, not a talker, so I can't talk about writing too much before I have to go away and write. Yeah. Probably my least oh, yeah. favorite, because it's not always about what you want to yeah. do, it's what no, you don't yeah, want yeah, do, yeah. about... I think outwardly the column in Grazia yeah. seemed like the, you know, who doesn't want to be a dating columnist in yeah. a national magazine? And actually that threw up a lot of it was what was it, 500, 600 words a week. It has to fit in with the message of the magazine. I was Grazia, Emily Maddock, who was my direct editor at at Grazia. She gave me so much room to play, but ultimately going out on a date on a Tuesday and then writing about it on a Wednesday, you know, that was, um, I'm not sure I would leap back into something yeah.
0: like that so, quite so readily. That's that's really interesting because I wanted to ask you about that. The pressure of coming up with a column each week mm-hmm. must be an interesting process and particularly when it's about dating, like having to find the inspiration for each column. Was that quite stressful?
1: Not finding the inspiration because actually it was like 10% of my actual dating life made it into those okay. columns. <laughs> like they gave me this dating <laughs> column because I was dating that much. Okay. (laughs) Um, It was a full-time job and I was just smart enough to like monetize it. Yeah that is
0: smart. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah I think because you never know you know when I wrote my memoir Becoming everything was six years, seven years, eight years in the rear view mirror. Yeah. Writing what, even blogs, I will sit on content until I know there's some kind of resolution. Even if the resolution is, I don't know what the conclusion is. Sure. Writing things a bit more in real time. That was the tricky thing of like, oh God, if I talk about how much I like this guy and then in the next column, yeah. I'm really going to... But again, an exercise in vulnerability definitely and I do think demonstrating vulnerability is a strength
0: definitely and it was an
1: amazing opportunity like absolutely go yeah. on record to say oh my god thank you so much for trusting me grazia and the fact that you know I am not six foot and a size eight and have this long blonde hair who you could easily readily believe seduces every man that she passes you know like a size 14 to 16 and like chubby girl from Derby, with but you know what I mean, like You're so not. Self-deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can turn on the charm, but it, it's like a personality rooted thing. You don't know, like walk down the street and turn back and be like, oh, mama that is is so hot. Not, that is so not. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a heart piece of ass to the right person, but what I mean is, like, I'm more of your. I think it was really brave of Grazia to go like average Laura Jane rather than like a a supermodel and though when I got letters and emails those were the bits that I treasured the most yeah saying you look like me and you're writing about dating in a national magazine like romance does not have an aesthetic
0: okay so Laura the second dish of the day yeah what's the first dish you learned to cook I mean, that's presuming I can cook well, yeah, at all. <laughs>
1: I've read your book; I so know that you can. I like to think that I can cook. What's the first dish I learned to cook? I think probably risotto.
0: Oh wow! Okay,
1: yeah. Which which I think it always sounds a lot more difficult until you know that literally yes. you can't go wrong. <laughs> you put the you yeah. put the right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you add the steps in, but basically, yeah. you put the rice in the pan and then you slowly stir in liquid. It's a labour
0: of love, though.
1: It is a labour of love. So I think, like, glass of wine in one hand, Definitely. mate sat on the counter beside you, stir, stir, stir. It's done before you've you've realised. Yeah, it's done before you've finished your first dating anecdote.
0: <laughs> That's true, and it has wine in it, so it's sort of one it's for sir, you, one for the dish. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. So what flavour is also? I
1: think my mother always, this is an interesting question, mum always made mushroom risotto. And whenever we went, I'm not having risotto, I'm not, never as good as mine. It's never as good as mine. And then it's become like this family joke of like, oh, it'd never be as good as James, that won't.
0: And like off the record, was her risotto good or?
1: I mean, like even now I'll go home and sometimes be like, oh Talks about the results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, very good actually. I start to do one with like peas and goat's cheese. Um, That's a good flavor a bit I'm not so good with flavor. You know who is infuri- infuriatingly good with flavors is my brother. Oh really? His palate is so he knows exactly what needs to be paired with what with what with what. And I'm just like, has it got cream trees frosting? Great, I'll eat it.
0: Wow, Laura, that's funny you should say that. Oh, it's like I'm <laughs> setting, setting you up here. Yes. In, <clears throat> in Ice Cream for Breakfast, yeah. you list one of your talents as knowing the best organzola to pair with figs. And I wondered what that
1: was. That comes from, I had a summer in Rome. Yeah. As you do. Yeah, of course. And made friends, you know, my thing is when you travel, just make
0: friends with the shopkeepers. Yes. Because they're the ones you're going to see all the time. (laughs) And, uh,
1: yeah, I don't remember now.
0: I mean, to be honest, I I don't know anything about Gorgonzola. No. So just the fact that Gorgonzola goes well with figs is, I think, a top tip.
1: Boom. There Mm. you get a bit of honey.
0: Oh, yes. There you go. Partial. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so far, lots of your writing is autobiographical. Mm. And I wondered how different that is to writing fiction and whether fiction writing might be something that you look at doing in the future or it's just not. <laughs> Did
1: my agent tell you to ask that
0: question? <laughs> Did no. Car- why have I hit the nail on the head? <laughs> oh, what do I want to reveal? I'm
1: sort of have a novel cooking... Mm. And there are there are different avenues that I would like to pursue when it comes to storytelling. Okay, um, we, can,
0: we can leave it at that. That's like a exciting ooh.
1: cliffhanger.
0: And <laughs> um, can we talk about just a little bit about the actual book writing process and how yeah. that works? Because obviously, becoming is a memoir, and that must have been a very long process. And then, from what I read in Ice Cream for Breakfast, that seemed to come together. A lot more quickly. Yeah,
1: I've still got whiplash. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) how how quick that happened. How long did each of those take? Becoming to ages, but then also I was unpublished. So when you're not on anybody else's payroll, do what you want. Oh, this was emotionally taxing this morning. I'll go and I was living in Bali for a little bit as I wrote it. So off I go. I'll go get a you know fifteen pound massage. Goodbye. And then suddenly we sold becoming based on half the manuscript. So then I had to write the other half in like th- three months, I think it was. Okay. But we're like, we had all like the proper chapter outlines and it's my life. So sure. I knew
0: what was gonna what happen. was going happen. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, that was interesting. One half of the book versus the
0: other half. Yeah. Of the book. So the first half I guess it had kind of been formulating for a while, but years. Putting putting it pen to paper, yeah. what was how long did that take?
1: I've been working on maybe the first quarter, like, on and off for years and years. And the thing is, again, you have to see what doesn't work to know what does work. So, like, probably actually the first half of the book took on, because I was still too close to the story, it probably had five or six iterations before I landed on telling the story almost as if it were a novel. Yeah, yeah and landed on that and went, right, okay, now I'm here, now this is it.
0: Mm -hmm. You got into your groove?
1: I got into my groove. So really the whole of 2015, so I left London at the beginning of 2015 and moved to Bali because you can live in Bali for £700 a month and Spoiler, you cannot live in London for no. £700 a month. <laughs> <Newsflash>. Yeah. <laughs> so it's literally writing for one website, generating £1,000 a month and spending £700 of it and like living in Bali. Yeah, so out there is where I really, really, really pushed it. And I had maybe a third of it by the time I signed my agent in the April. And then she had me push up the word count so that we had half so it went out on submission in the August, we
0: sold it in the September, and then I had finished it by the December. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, just as a non-writer, that's really interesting, like the process involved. Yeah. Okay, that seems like a good time to ask you what the best dish you've ever eaten is, Laura. Oh,
1: <laughs> mamma mia. It was most definitely Italian. I mean, like, Italy is part of... Of my blood, and I have been there every summer, like I write about, and becoming. Yeah, and taught English as a foreign language. So, from about 23, I've spent summers out there first working, then I had made friends out there and they were away for a summer, so I could stay in their apartment. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, Eugene Maria, I owe you. <laughs> so, yeah, basically anything I've ever eaten in Italy, I remember being in Sicily. Not long after I'd quit, well, I'd been let go of, uh, I was in beauty PR and as I got let go of that job, I knew, right, I'm going to take my writing serious and just did odd jobs to sort of cover the rent. And I was in Sicily for like four days and and it was so hot and we were on the beach and I had never been to Sicily before. And I basically just stopped somebody on the street and said, is there a restaurant around here? We want lunch. So we ended up being directed by a local to this restaurant. And it was, you know, I say just, inverted commas. It was pasta with, and there was some kind of like seafood and courgette yes. in there. And I'm partial to kind of like a pink pasta so something with a little bit of cream but a little bit of tomato yeah and we had a bottle of prosecco and this pasta that whole trip had a real sense of my life has begun this is it and and my life had begun that's amazing that's so nice
0: and so often,
1: hindsight is so poetic.
0: <laughs> so often, things like that experiences are linked to food. Like, I'm sure yeah. that dish is one that you won't yeah. actually forget. Also, one that I won't forget, also, pasta. Yes. Lula Lula
1: Cafe on Logan Square in Chicago. I was just there this year. Yeah. They have the pasta yaya dish, which is Greek inspired. Okay. And it's in bucatini pasta. Yeah. So, with like the little hole, the fresh egg noodles with the hole in the middle feta dried garlic so it's like crispy and cinnamon Ooh. with a little bit of cream and I had it my brother's boyfriend works there so I went to go see him and I had it after a yoga class I was starving and then I went back
0: almost every single <laughs> day, <laughs> day <laughs> I love that when you, day still, day you <laughs> find something that you really love and yeah it,
1: but it. he he was like Laura you know this is an amazing place you have to Try something out. Nope, no, no, so <laughs> and when I left, he printed me off the Lula
0: menu, but changed every single dish on it to pasta. Yeah, pasta. Oh, pastillera, pastillera. that's so sweet. Yeah. There you go. Okay, well, that was a that was a great answer. Mm. So it's what...
1: funny every time you ask me one of these questions, I'm like, oh, babe, I just don't know. Oh, I do,
0: <laughs> and then it like unlocks this. I know, but that's the really fun thing about doing this podcast is that people. Think they're a bit indifferent, or they don't really care, and, and then, then yeah. yeah, and then yeah, it's just really interesting finding out. Yeah, it's not
1: going to be half an hour, is
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> so, whilst food is never the focus of your writing, mm. when you do mention it, I can tell from the way that you write about it. <laughs> However fleeting that might be, that it's a passion. Have yeah. I read that correct? Yes. So in. Coming. <laughs> there's one part that I wanted to ask you about in particular, and you probably are going to think that I'm really strange, but it's near the start. And I think it's when you just found out about your ex boyfriend and his new relationship, mm. and you're devastated, understandably, and you're too devastated to eat, mm. and you're talking to your best friend, and you cook him a porcini and goat's cheese omelette ever since I read about that omelette it's like all I can think about and um, it just really struck me because it's a moment in your life when most people might be reaching for the beans on toast and it really struck me that that kind of shows that you know good food.
1: I try to know good food and privately I think I know good food but then being called out on that publicly
0: I'm like oh no, no, come you know. on! Anyone f- who follows you on social media knows that you know good food. I, I, do you know what it is? Actually, I'm not sure
1: that I know good food as much as I know good dining. Okay,
0: that's interesting. So, what's what's the difference in your mind?
1: So, I might not be the best cook, but I know I'm a brilliant host. Okay. When I recommend a restaurant, typically it's because the food is of a certain standard, it's got to be good. Yeah. But for me, when I eat out, it's about, you know, my family taught me how to eat around a table, whether that was around the dining table, sort of growing up. And when we were a bit older in restaurants, they taught me what it is to, you know, a Sunday. A prop. I am. I'm, I'm a. I love a good lunch. Yeah. I love a boozy lunch. Yeah. <laughs> where you rock up at half twelve, you have a spritz or, you know, some kind of a like aperitivo and aperol spritz a gin and tonic done with lemon and
0: lime. Yes.
1: You get taken to the table. Maybe you nibble on some olives starters but everybody's kind of sharing I like that communal kind of Italian family share 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 and then just to sit for for hours and pair everything with a nice wine and that I would accept the compliment of being knowledgeable about is how to sit at a table but that's definitely a skill it is a skill yeah and that having be. been a dating columnist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you it's, it's not one everybody <laughs> who possesses. It's not a universal, <laughs> that is for sure. And who knew? You know, that might not be important to the next girl and that's fine. Yeah. But I didn't realise, and now I'm dating an Italian, just, of course, like, of course, of course. I am of course I'm dating a man that yeah. cooks and can sit for hours yes. over amazing food And match like, made in heaven it, well who knew
0: <laughs> who knew but just to go back to that omelette Laura you... <laughs> I don't know why I can't stop thinking about it but is that something you've made since Is a porcini and ghost I mean, cheese I have not made an omelette in a while love I'm not gonna lie so Laura the fourth dish of the day is your favorite sandwich now, We've already talked about the amazing roast beef sandwich that your dad made. Sure, we did. But now you're a vegetarian. Yeah. What would be your sandwich of choice?
1: <sighs> oh, my God. Well, uh, does it qualify as a sandwich? Well, I'm the one being interviewed. I'll yes. decide. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gina, a good
0: lobster roll in a brioche bun. Oh, that definitely counts as a sandwich. Yeah, your choice. But yeah, but does it? But yeah. No, it definitely Yeah, does.
1: when it's a lobster roll and the lobster has been mixed with the mayonnaise and it's in the brioche bun, I would say if that if that is available and I went to stay with my friend, one of my close friends, Josephine. She lives out in um, Brooklyn, and I went to visit her for my 30th birthday. She grew up in Brooklyn, in fact. And had an amazing time in the city, but really, I love to be in the passenger seat of a car. I love, like, the music and the changing scenery and, like, the conversations that come up in cars. I once read that when the scenery changes, so does your state of mind.
0: Ooh, and
1: so if you're nice. ever going to have an argument, have it in a car, because... You'll think about things in a different way. That's a and I had her drive me to she like had very little say in this. She drove because it was my 30th birthday. She drove me down to where the lighthouse ha- the place where the lighthouses is in the Hamptons in the affair, and I can't think of the name of it, but like you go all the way through the Hamptons, the fancy houses. And um, and I said to her, I just, I just want a lobster roll. Just want a lobster roll.
0: It's not a lobster
1: It's not, but it was like twenty five dollars. <laughs> because <laughs> lobster's not cheap. <laughs> so, like in my head, you know, oh, it's like Donna, like yeah. super. No, it was twenty five dollars at a roadside cafe, <laughs> and we drove for four hours and had to drive four hours to home. But was it the best but thing I've ever eaten? It was just everything about the. Occasion, I did see a picture of a lobster roll that I'd taken this last summer. This summer, time lags into one. (laughs) And the caption I put underneath it is Guess I'm a Black Widow because I just ate the love of my life. (laughs) Is my point. Is my point. There is always a point. Yeah, eventually.
0: Eventually, that's a very good choice. (laughs) Something I wanted to ask you was all your writing is incredibly personal and really honest. Mm, Natasha Perlman, mm. Grazia's editor, described you as being a general all-round speaker of what is in our heads, which is a great title. But I just wondered, what is it like emotionally to write so personally?
1: I think it takes more from me to not tell the truth than it does to tell the truth. Yeah. So it's not like this concerted
0: effort that I must reveal my soul. (laughs) Is it a cathartic process? Like getting your memoir down and out, was that part of the whole healing process?
1: My mum was telling me a story about her best friend's boy being heartbroken. I say boy, he's about 30. (laughs) Being heartbroken today. And I made a joke and said, you know, time to get a couple of grand out of it and write a book. (laughs) I think I can make a joke now that I was able to make money from this devastating thing. Like Adele. Like Adele. (laughs) Let's have more comparisons with the Queen of Pop. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it just felt like, you know, it was so just under the surface of of my skin for so long because I was so devastated. Yeah, I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting over it. Like, I felt like my heartbreak went on for too long. I think I started to write to get it out from under my skin. yeah. And then realising, oh, I can kind of make a narrative out of this. And even as I was writing it, I would have denied any implication that I was doing it to kind of exercise myself of it. But it was after I wrote it and everything got signed off that I did start to display symptoms of burnout. And I think that's because it was like an exorcism Yeah, and sitting with those ghosts and letting go. And what's interesting about the title and calling it Becoming is, you know, Becoming never really stops. When I was writing the book, I was writing about a woman that no longer existed. I'd already become another iteration of myself. And by definition of writing it, I then became another version of myself. And so, yeah, the evolution. Yeah. It's not like you get to the end and
0: it's like, the end yes, <laughs> like
1: that's Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and it was so important for me spoiler alert there is no great romance that saves me at the end
0: of becoming that was so important that I saved myself yeah yeah I was really pleasantly surprised that that isn't how it's I didn't know really how it was important end. To yeah me. because it it's Your happiness isn't defined by your relationship with someone else. The whole
1: book is about my relationship, yeah, with me. But then who could have known that I would have ended up so down in, you know, I was the lowest I'd ever been. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy how I felt after I finished becoming. And it took maybe nine months to, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of therapy, a lot of medication. Yeah, to get but kind then, of on an even keel. Ice cream for breakfast came but out. Then of ice cream, cream for it. breakfast, yeah. And I,
0: you know, I'm seeing similarities with Adele. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to know your fifth dish of the day. What's the dish that you eat the most often? Definitely go
1: through phases. So just recently, my phase has been roasting off chunks of sweet potato and onion, and then keeping that in the fridge, and then. Heating it up in a pan and just breaking an egg Ooh, over yum. it, like a
0: sweet potato hash kind of thing,
1: like a sweet potato hash sort of kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I will never not love the almond croissants at the cafe around the corner yes. from me. Like the best I've had outside of Paris. No, I'm not going to name the cafe because <laughs> they do five a day. And you know the saddest story about those croissants is on a Friday you could never get one because an old woman would come in and buy them for her and her friends. But since I got back from America, you can always get questions oh, no. on Fridays. Oh, no, I'm not asking a question. Oh, no. I'm just saying. Well, there's a silver lining. So- <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. <No. laughs> that was Laura. You- <laughs> but, you, yeah, you can you can get them every day of the week now oh i love a an blessing island. and a curse yeah they're like crispy on the outside and sometimes they're a little bit overdone but when they get them just right and they're like chewy
0: that's so good
1: soft crispy
0: oh so good yeah yeah the best yeah um laura what the sixth dish of the day is your go-to dinner party dish so we already know sure. that you're the hostess with the mostest, but what yeah. would be the dish that you're serving? But
1: I like anything that is like in a big bowl in the middle of the table and then help yourself. So yeah. whether that would be like tacos or something Mexican, like tortillas, yes. like doing a big, big vat of vegetarian. Yeah. Min- so what's, what's oh,
0: vegetarian? Corn, corn, corn. Yeah.
1: So something like that or a risotto. Yeah. You know, big thing, middle of the table, everybody helps themselves, mop it up with some kind of bread afterwards. That is my... Something that means that I, I wouldn't be in the kitchen. Yeah, definitely. Away from everybody. Yeah. You
0: know. And are you a pudding or a cheese person? Both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I phrase uh, that as an either or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dreams,
1: dream scenario is, is pudding and cheese. Yeah. And actually, the older I get as well, the less I want a whole pudding to myself. Yeah. So just like a little t- taste of a little something. Mouthful. Yeah, two mouthfuls. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. And then yeah, a little a little cheese and a nice a nice yeah, sweet wine. Yes.
0: I love the bit where in Ice Cream for Breakfast you sort of dissect the idea of defining yourself by what you do, where if you attach your self-worth to something external it means that you're in danger of never feeling good enough. Okay. And obviously, there's so many tips and life tricks within that book. Do you think that maybe becoming an agony aunt is next on the cards? I, think- I would be a terrible agony aunt. <laughs> no. I would just be like, you're fine. <laughs> next <laughs> babe.
1: you're fine.
0: <laughs> next, <laughs>
1: you. that could be you're your fine. <laughs> We're all fine. <laughs> None of us is fucking up like we think we are. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> I think the biggest contribution I can make is not to give people advice, but just to live my life out loud because it comes so naturally and it helps me so much that if I can just be one person that says this is how I'm doing it um that's where I get my advice from yeah it's not it's 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 like indirect isn't it
0: yeah no that sounds very sensible (laughs) so we're on to the last dish of the day and that is what is the last dish that you would eat before being cast off to the desert island
1: I'm going to be really soppy. Okay. <laughs>
0: we like soppy. And
1: I'm going to say, I don't think there would be one specific dish so much as to sit at the bar in a restaurant with a bottle of wine and several courses just coming next to the guy that I love. That would be it. Like, oh. give me four hours and an unlimited spend at the bar of a great restaurant. Give me a food.
0: <laughs> you are going off to the desert island, so yeah. But isn't it the memories that are going to keep me? Full? Well, yeah. But the the yes. Um, I sound so unromantic. Uh, but... You're like yeah,
1: babe, <laughs> lovely, thrilled for you. Uh, I don't know. I suppose when I say that, what I'm picturing is like he and I had a great meal on Newington Church Street at a restaurant that I'm probably going to horribly mispronounce. I think it's Escoa. and that was like. Longestins and padron peppers and anchovies. And I think there was like a little bit of, oh, tuna tartare. Mm. So that kind of smorgasbord of Mediterranean food. Yeah. I... Um, bit of this bit of that bit yeah, of this really. bit of that oh I'll have a little bit of this <laughs> oh we forgot we ordered this dish oh that. yeah that's the
0: best when yeah. you think you're done and then they're like one yeah. more
1: yeah um, and also any place where they don't charge you for bread and fizzy water that is a new thing on my list don't charge me for bread don't charge me for my fizzy water
0: yeah thanks yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brasserie Adele <Siddell> and <laughs> Piccadilly Circus are great for that. Unlimited bread and limited fizzy water. That was a
0: good tip. Laura's sold top tip of the day. Yeah. And um, that's it. Thank you so much for Yay. letting us hear your Desert Island Dishes, Laura. Thank um, you for having me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so that was Laura Jane Williams's Desert Island Dishes. She definitely sounds like she knows how to host an excellent lunch party. And she's so fun, you know you would just have the best time. I love that of all the questions, it's the sandwich one that people really muse over and debate whether it counts as a sandwich or not. Now, I know I can't be the only one dreaming of a lobster roll, can I? I'm off to see if I can rustle up some kind of substitute with a prawn, perhaps? (laughs) Anyway, see you next week and thanks for listening.